What's up, everyone? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and I am in Australia right now on the West Coast, writing out the coronavirus because I, A, did not want to fly home because Central Florida is a big hub right now for the virus. B, the amount of flights I would have to get on to travel there seemed unsafe. C, I have a really nice setup right now where I do not have to pay rent because I'm being an au pair and that saves me a ton of money. And D, flights were insanely expensive and my mom even advised me not to go home. So hopefully that answers all your questions on why I stayed in Australia because I have getting a ton of them. And I also wanted to talk about what I'm doing here. So originally I was supposed to be in Australia on the West Coast to get my second year visa. I've talked about this a few times, but you have to do 90 days of work in a remote town to get another visa. Came here, the next day everyone got laid off and I was like, okay, so what the hell am I gonna do? And I just started thinking of ways that I could make money. I immediately started diving into my podcast business, my yoga business, creative ways I could help people with both. And it really started to align for me. And what was interesting is every single time that I journaled about money, it showed up. And I'm not kidding, like I would literally write down a money affirmation and someone would Venmo me for an online yoga class or I would write down things that I was grateful for when money arrived in my account and my tax refund hit, that was three times what I expected. It's insane what happens when you put your thoughts down on paper, which is why I'm so excited to have today's guest on. Her name is Michaela J. She is a manifestation coach, really helping out women live a luxury lifestyle that they desire. And this was so timely for me because as I dove into these businesses that I'm working on, I realized it's not about the execution or the ideas. Like I have really good ideas that I know work well. I know gaps in the market that I could fill. I see the white space, I hear the feedback. My blocks are around money. I go through imposter syndrome. I think, why should I charge that? Why would people pay me? I don't have the qualifications. I haven't been doing this long enough. I'm just starting out. I need to pay my dues. I mean, every single negative thought around money was popping up when I was really diving into what I could do with these different businesses. It's journaling, listening to money podcasts, listening to other founders and how they do it, watching and following people on Instagram that have either not only built a successful business, but maybe are two steps ahead of me so it seems more relatable. That is what's starting to take my money blocks away. So Michaela being on the podcast today is so helpful because I feel like a lot of us right now during this quarantine and self-isolation are starting to look at ways we can either monetize side hobbies, maybe even working on a side hustle that you already had going and you're just trying to bring it to the next level. You're doing a lot of journaling, a lot of reflecting. At least for me, that's what I'm doing. And so I thought, well, who better yet to come on the podcast than someone who actually is successful running their own business and give us those practical steps. So Michaela walks us through her background, how she started her own business, the issues that she faced early on, how she hired a team, the amount of money she was receiving and how she was able to scale that up. I mean, we get really specific. If you listen to any of my podcasts, a lot of them honestly for me are being selfish. Like I ask a lot of selfish questions because I wanna know and I know everyone is not that many degrees away from me. Like I feel like when I'm asking questions, it's something that my best friend or my mom or my sister or a coworker would have asked too. I'm just being the vehicle to ask it to that person. 
So when I have these interviews, you guys can definitely send me questions. You can do that at hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com. You can write into the podcast there. You can go to my website. You can follow me on Instagram and DM me a question, nonexpertopinionpod, because I will definitely take those into account and ask the guests as well. Additionally, if you find value in this interview, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review. Just like when you go on Amazon, you check the reviews before you buy a product. Just like before you hire someone, you ask for references. Just like when you go to Sephora, you read the reviews. Everything that we do involves some type of testimonial or review or reference. And with podcasting, the one way that we can do that is with ratings, reviews, and sharing it on your Instagram stories or whatever social platform you use. But that really helps people like Michaela J come on my podcast because they see, oh, I see what she talks about. This would resonate with my audience really well. And it seems like her viewers and her listeners like what she's talking about. Yeah, I'll come on the podcast. So if you want guests like Michaela on or similar people, please go leave a review and let me know if you find value, whether that's your favorite part of the interview, whether it's a tip that you implemented, maybe it's just a piece of advice that really changed your mindset. I would love to hear because your feedback is basically what I base my podcast on. For example, a lot of people said they like my solo podcasts, so I've been trying to do more of those. A lot of people say they don't know how to journal, so now I'm going to do one about journaling. Michaela and I really dive into journaling. So again, what you guys tell me is basically how I frame my podcast. It allows me to see, okay, what do people want to hear? So please let me know. Reach out to all those different channels that I have. Leave a review if you found value. And get ready to dive into how to manifest money and success in your life because Michaela's an expert and she's only 22, so you need to listen up. With that, let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Michaela J. I am so excited to have you on because I feel like right now with coronavirus, a lot of people are not only reflecting but working on their own creative projects and probably running into a few blocks around, am I qualified to do this? Am I even really meant to be doing this? Is this my purpose? And I was like, wait, we need Michaela J on because she (laughs) knows what the fuck she's doing. (laughs) So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and chat today. And I have so many good tips to rid yourself of those horrible, horrible limiting beliefs. Cannot wait. So before we dive into it, tell us a little bit about what you actually do. Yeah. So hi guys. My name's Michaela. I run the brand Michaela J and J is actually my middle name, not my last name. Um, and I'm a luxury success coach. So I teach women, I teach high level women how to optimize their mindset for success and automatic manifestation. And I teach this process of getting your mindset in check defining what's your magic in order to make manifestation super easy because manifestation is something that's happening all the time, all around us. And we want to be intentional about it. So I teach women how to optimize what's going on in their head. So that becomes a much easier and simpler and faster process. Love that. We all need that because I know personally, I have a ton of money blocks. So we're going to do an exercise later where you're going to walk me through this because we all need help. But tell us about baby Michaela. Like, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? (laughs) That is a whole book. (laughs) Um, 
So I have had a very interesting 22 years of living. I'm 22 years old for everybody listening if you don't know me. And growing up, my I lived with both of my parents. I'm from Nebraska. And we were probably like an upper middle class family. We had all the things. We had the house, the boat, the lake house. I went to private school. And then we lost everything, which was very interesting at a young age when you cannot understand what's going on, when your parents can't exactly explain to you what's going on. And we went from having it all to having food stamps in a really short period of time. So then I grew up through that, through a lot of hardship, through seeing my dad's car get repoed, like go from switching from private school to public school, which was actually like the biggest blessing, but um, all of these things switch around. And then in high school, I experienced a lot of hardship, which is what makes me so qualified and so, I guess, intelligent in the things that I teach is because I've lived so much life experience. When I started high school, I had a really bad eating disorder. I dealt with a lot of confidence issues. Then my parents got divorced and I actually lived alone for most of high school because um, I wasn't speaking to either of my parents. I was supposed to be living with my dad and then he left. And then he came back and then he went to prison. So we had a lot of things going on. And I went, I remember I was so excited to go to college. I was like, get me the fuck out of here. I need to start over. Like, let's do something different. Went to college, hated it. I Everything I wanted out of college, I basically did not get. And I was just really an angry human being. So where the shift started in my life was... One of my lower points, I it was after my first year of college and we had to move back home because we all lived in the dorms. Then you go back home for the summer. And during my freshman year of college, our home actually got, um, what is it? Like repossessed or I don't know what the actual word, foreclosed. That's the word. Our home got foreclosed. And so we had to move all of our stuff into my grandfather's house who we did not speak to. So I had to move into his house, which was super awkward. It was really far from where my friends lived. It was far from my job. And I would basically drive 35 minutes, go to the gym, work all day, go home, do online homework, rinse and repeat every day. And I was probably borderline depressed at the time because I was so miserable and such in victim mode. Um, However, I had a study abroad trip planned that summer. And so I was only doing that rinse and repeat work cycle for about a month and a half. And then I had a five-week study abroad in France because my major was French. And I remember just being so fed up with everything, being like, I just want to be the kind of girl who lights up every single room that she walks into, who just has people on the edge of their seat, hanging on to every single word, who's just like light and bright and happy. And so I made a commitment to myself that that's who I would be on this trip because I didn't know anybody. They didn't know me. So I told myself, I was like, no complaining, no negativity, no gossiping, nothing. Just be the happy version of you you've always wanted to be. And that decision changed my life because you go in for five weeks, like a fully immersive experience like that, you come out a different person. And so I came home a changed woman and I wanted to sustain this new way of living that I had created. So I dove into personal development because not my friends weren't positive. Some of my friends fell off because they just couldn't relate to me anymore. And I really didn't want to go back to my negative ways. So I was listening to tons of podcasts. I was reading books. I was journaling a lot, meditating. I was watching documentaries and I 
kind of fell into all of the manifestation and the mindset stuff. And that led to me where I live my best life now. So there's the spark notes version. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. I did not realize that you had been through basically so many traumas before you even <laughs> probably fully developed into the person you are now. Mm-hmm. Hell and back, baby. <laughs> wow. But that, like you said, it really does help now that if people are like, oh, well, I want to sign up or work with her, but she probably doesn't get it. It's like, no, you get it. You've been there. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, that's why it's so important for me to share and for people to understand because on the outside, a lot of people think, oh, you just come from money. Like you are, you know, this blonde, pretty white girl. Like you just travel all the time, do whatever you want. Like I, I'm very aware of how it looks and that is not the full story. Um, and I wouldn't change any of it. And that's why I'm really open to talking about it. And I'm really vulnerable with my audience. And when I'm on interviews, because I wouldn't change a single thing. Yes, it was hard to live alone at 16 years old and have your water shut off and shower at the gym. Yes, it was hard driving my dad to prison my first week of senior year of high school. Yeah, it was all hard and it was heartbreaking, but I wouldn't be who I am today had that stuff not happened. My life would look completely different. So it's really something that I've taken myself from being the victim to being, you know, the, I guess the learner in the situation. Like I'm just very curious about the whole thing and what were the lessons I was meant to learn and what did this teach me and how did that shape me? So I really have a lot of love and gratitude for that chapter of my life. We all have usually one resource or person that we draw inspiration from that we're like, I really want to model after that. That's what I want for my life. Did you have something like that? Whether it was a book, a person, a movie? Hmm. I think probably just looking towards pop culture would be my inspo. My whole life, so like I said, when I was raised, when I was very young, we were really well off. We were like upper middle class. So I was very used to, you know, getting my hair done a lot. I was used to nice dinners. I was used to the family vacations to our lake house. And I loved that cushy, you know, luxurious life. And when I couldn't have that anymore, I was watching, you know, a lot of TV. I was watching a lot of YouTube. And so it wasn't any specific one person, but just like the Hollywood lifestyle where you're going to all these parties and all these fabulous dresses, you own all these big homes, you're taking these cool trips, you're flying first class. That was always, always very appealing to me. And growing up, actually, I wanted to work in fashion. So when people ask you when you're younger, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Funnily enough, I always said CEO, <laughs> which is the most like me thing ever. I always wanted to be the CEO and I knew I wanted to work in fashion. So I assumed I would be the CEO of like Louis Vuitton or some, some high like haute couture type of brand. And so for me, it was just like the fashion shows in Paris and the light, the lime life light, the lime light life. <laughs> And you're very well-spoken now. You're very articulate. You're very confident. Was there one time that you realized that you like look back, you're like, wow, I really have come far. Were you always like that? And it was just amplified with the work that you did. Mm, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before. 
It's interesting because I do speak with a lot of conviction and I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> because growing up, I was so, I lacked a lot of confidence. I was always like the shy one because my brother was the troublemaker. So I was like, I'm going to be the quiet one who always stays in line. And so I didn't have a lot of confidence for a really long time. I think what brought out my confidence was when I kind of came out of the spiritual closet. So I was uh, blogging for almost a year before I started my business. I was blogging about travel and productivity and motivation and all these things. And I knew what would take it to the next level was starting to bring in this personal development side, the spiritual side. But I'm from Nebraska and it's pretty conservative. It's pretty traditional. Like everybody's Christian or Catholic and spirituality was never a conversation I had ever had with anybody at home. And that really scared me. So for a while I held back from it and I didn't really talk about it. And I was super awkward talking about it with my friends even. And I, at one point I had a coach who I took her program and she was teaching a program on being an influencer and like monetizing that. She was helping me monetize my blog basically. And she was like, Michaela, you know that what's going to take to the next level is just talking about it and dealing with it, dealing with whatever people have to say, just not caring. And so I think what flipped the switch for me was when I got my first tattoo um, on my arm, it's an earth sign because I'm a Capricorn. Capricorns are earth signs. I actually, a family member commented on the photo I posted on Facebook and said that I was in a cult. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, astrology is one hell of a cult, but all right. And I remember just laughing it off with my friends. And that kind of was the signal for me of like, not everybody's going to get it. It's not for everybody and that's okay. I can't make everybody happy all of the time. And so after that, I could move forward with a lot of confidence because I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, just fuck it. Why should I dim my light? Because it's going to make somebody uncomfortable or because somebody's not going to agree with it. Like they can just continue to scroll on. They can continue to, you can walk away, whatever. And it has nothing to do with me. So it sounds like then your inner circle back home and your family wasn't understanding it. Do they get it now? Or is it still something that you're like, you know what, I'm going to stay in my lane, you stay in your lane, and we'll respectfully disagree? Yeah, well, my immediate family was very, my immediate circle was very supportive. They didn't always understand, but they were supportive. So that family member who commented on it, I'm not close to really anybody. We don't, I'm not a super like family person. So that, that, individual who's on the outside looking in and she still comments stuff on my Facebook, but that's another story. Um, but my friends and family were pretty supportive. I remember when I launched my blog and when I launched my business, like nobody said anything and that really hurt. It was like a slap in the face because they all knew that I was working on that. However, I couldn't make it mean anything about me. And they, when I would finally bring it up and when I would celebrate certain milestones, they would be happy for me. And slowly they all like started to ask more questions. They started to want to do like Oracle card readings with me. And they wanted to know like the business side of things and how does this work and how do you actually make money? And, you know, people get it and people start to get it when they see it working. It's just, they're skeptical at first. And when people are skeptical, like, I just don't want your opinion. I don't want your skepticism to mess with my vibe. So I just didn't ask them to be any which way. And I think that just created the space for them to rise to the occasion. 
And then starting a business that you decided was immediately going to be for the luxury person or did that develop over time? Like what was your initial idea? I think always the luxury piece was always going to be a part of it because my brand is me and that is a hundred percent like a part of me. I love the designer bags and the nice clothes and the nice travel and all that. So it was definitely a part of my messaging from the get go. Um, I think when I started out, my ideal client was somebody who was like me. So not fully living that yet, but uh, like aspiring for that. Like she was working towards that lifestyle and it's switched over time. You know, like that's definitely still my entry level client. Like she wants these things. She's, you know, she's watching the Kardashians and secretly praying to have a life like that. And she has her Pinterest boards of her dream home and her dream closet. And like that really beautiful white and gold office from home. That's definitely one of my clients. But as business um, develops and you get smarter at business, you're just further along. You have a couple of different ideal clients for different programs and different offerings. So I still honor that entry-level girl, but now I also work with high-level women at maybe a one-to-one level or in one of my business programs where she is already living that, but how do we take it next level? How do we make the luxurious part more of a feeling rather than the things? So it's a full spectrum moment, I would say. I want to take a step back to just even starting a business because I have so many ideas. I get overwhelmed. I don't have any systems in place and then I just give up. So when you were looking into starting a business, Did you have a coach? Did you just watch YouTube videos? Were you just asking people that had done it before? Like, what were the steps you actually took and educated yourself to run this business and get it off the ground? I did a lot, a lot of research on my own when I was very first starting my blog. I guess my blog would be the evolution into my business because I knew that when I launched the blog, I wanted it to become a business, which I ended up kind of switching it. So once I started the business, I stopped doing the blogging. But when I was starting the blog, I did lots of research, how to start a blog, how to code a website, how to do this, how to do that, how to monetize. And I was just eating up every free resource on the internet, every Pinterest article I could find, every YouTube video, every podcast, and just got really, really resourceful. And then when I knew I wanted to monetize it and start working with brands, I got like an affiliate with Uber at one time. I was doing giveaways with different companies. And when I finally had the moment that I wanted to launch a course, that's when I hired a coach because I was like, all right, I could continue searching all day, every day online, or I can just pay somebody to tell me exactly what I need to do. Like, let's pick the thing that is more worth my time at this point. So then I hired a coach and she walked me through how to create a program and how to monetize your influence. And then I wanted a specific business coach. So then I hired a business coach specifically, and then I launched the business. What is your business actually called? So my business is under my name. It's Michaela J. Got it. And so you get this get this program identified. You hire coaches. So now you start understanding what to do. Were there any limiting beliefs holding you back when you were trying to get this off the ground? Not holding me back, but definitely freaking me out. I'm the type of person that when I make the decision to do something, like I'm going to go do it. If I'm going to say I'm going to launch a blog, I'm going to go launch a blog. If I say I'm going to launch a business, I'm going to go launch a business and nothing will get in the way of that. I am such a Capricorn. We are like determined. We are work oriented. Uh, We just go do the things. However, that doesn't mean that I am, you know, inhumane and I don't have 
fears and doubts and limits. I remember when I was launching my business, my biggest fear was like, what if nobody signs up for my program? Because my business launch was when I um, launched my very first program, which I still run to this day. It's called the Mindset Magic and Manifestation Method. It's my like signature four-month program. I remember the first time I launched it, it was only eight weeks actually, which is really funny that now it's doubled in size of you know material and content as I learn and grow. But I was so afraid. I was like, okay, I my original launch strategy was I was going to do a webinar and then I was going to do a three-part live training series and then another webinar. So that's what I did. And my first webinar, nobody showed up except for my mom. <laughs> and I texted my mom and I was like, please get off the webinar. I'm just going to teach it and send out the replay. I was like, I'm not teaching this webinar just to you. This is embarrassing. <laughs> but I taught it anyways and then sent the replay. I did my lives, did all the things. Um, and the biggest thing playing in the back of my head was like, what if nobody signs up? What if nobody signs up? but I did it anyways. And then four people signed up in the very first round and that replaced my income immediately. So I never had to go back to my part-time job, which was the best news ever. <laughs> so then you, you get those four people and then how do you move on from there? Did you do another round? Did you, did you see, okay, well that didn't work. So let me do something different. Like what were the adjustments you made to start scaling that? Yeah. So I started that. I did, got the four people started running the program and then I wanted to create like a scalable model. So there is mainly, there's two main ways that people run online business in my space. It's it, the model that I primarily follow is you'll have like a passive low end product, you'll have a mid level and then you have a high level offer. And that's what I wanted to build right off the bat because I was like, oh, well, this makes the most sense. And it's like a funnel and this is easy. The other model that people do is just launching a bunch of different courses all year round. And, you know, you pick your model, you pick whatever sounds good to you. I wanted to do the, you know, the low to high end. So I launched that program, which was my mid level. And then from that program, I actually picked out one of the modules that I thought would sell well as like a passive separate product. And I made it like a daily ritual mini course. So I did that and launched that. And that was just a $37 offer that I would sell in the intro of my podcast. So I did that. So I would have some passive sales, some overnight sales, was getting payments from the other girls. And then I launched the MMM method again. I did like a pre-sale probably like two months later and I was taking one-on-one -on -one clients at the same time. And basically it was just like rinse and repeat, relaunch MMM method, take on some one-on-one -on -one clients, add in new passive products until I kind of got my shit together. So that was maybe the first six months of just winging it. And then, um, so that was August of 2018 that I launched my business. And then probably January of 2019 is when I was like, okay, we need to plan the year and get serious. So I launched MMM method. And then I launched a high level offer, which was a business mastermind. And then I kind of went back and forth with the signature program and the high level program launch wise. And I did that for most of 2019. And then I offered a couple of courses here and there. I offered some one-on-one -on -one, and then I launched my membership site. So yeah, it just kind of builds over time. Now there's a bunch of different things on my website people can buy, whether it's a passive thing, an old training, they can sign up for my membership site, one of the programs, coaching, all the things. But it just over time, you launch things as you're interested in them and as you set up all of your systems. And the systems you have in place now, 
did you outsource anything or were you like, I'm doing this all on my own? What was the point where you maybe thought, okay, I should hire someone? Have you gotten to that point? Tell us about the support that you maybe have or need. Yeah. So I have a, I have a team of five now, which is absolutely fabulous. They all do different things. Um, I was doing it all by myself for like five months. January of 2019, I hired my first employee, which is one of my friends. He still works for me. And I hired him as my assistant. So I was using, so the systems that I use, I do everything in Kajabi. Like I have all of my sales pages, landing pages, programs, um, email lists, all in Kajabi. So I use that to automate, um, or not to automate, but I guess automate emails and funnels and stuff. And then I use Tailwind to schedule Pinterest stuff. We used Dubsado for contracts, and then I have a payment system. I use Wave for payments. So I set up all of the systems that I could, and then after that, I wanted to hire somebody to work the system, so I didn't have to. So then I hired my friend Joe, and he did. He still does like all of my Pinterest stuff, scheduling. He does my graphic design. He does all of my PR as well. So he pitches me to other podcasts, gets certain guests on my podcast, reaches out to publications, brands, anything like that. He's basically like the brand manager is what I would call him. And he does lots of random projects for me. So I hired him and he took a lot off my plate. It was amazing because I could give him projects and then I could just focus on what I wanted to do. He was my first hire. And then I started hiring co-coaches to help me run MMM method. So the girls in the program, they get one call a month with me and one call a month with a certified co-coach, which is a girl who's gone through my program, seen a lot of success, is killing it. And then she will come and work for me essentially um, and coach the girls alongside me. So I have two of those that help me run the rounds. And then I have a videographer here in Bali. So that's less of systems, but more of like content for moving things forward. And uh, just recently at the very beginning of March, I hired my first full-time employee uh, who is my boyfriend, which is amazing. He's my basically business manager and integrator. So in the business model I follow, I'm essentially, my title would be the visionary. He's the integrator. So I tell him what's my vision and he breaks it down into projects and figures out how can we move that forward. So he's the one who's making plans for merch, like merchandise line for Pinterest ads, Facebook ads, strategy around LinkedIn, different things, different projects that are in the back of my mind that I just can't dedicate my time to because my time needs to be spent in my expertise, which is teaching and leading my clients and serving my people. So yeah, that is my team of five, my powerhouse people. And I hired them as I went along. So it was Joe, just Joe and me for the longest. Then it was one co-coach. Then it was two co-coaches. Then it was a videographer and then a full-time employee. I love that you have someone that is there to help you with the integration and the execution. Because I feel like as a creative person and someone that has so many ideas, we get overwhelmed with the execution and it sounds like you figured that out. Well, wait, I need someone to help me break it down into those manageable projects. And I don't think people realize that. Mm -hmm. I think people think you can be creative and the accountant and the operations person and the marketer. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you should outsource that because um, I don't know about you, but I am not really great at managing my own money, but also like, I don't like operations. So I want to outsource that. No. Yeah. 
Right. I'm the same way. And it's like, you can do all the things, but why would you want to? You're just going to be burnt out. You're going to be exhausted and you're just not going to have as much time to spend in your zone of genius. That's been the biggest blessing of hiring my team. It's like my co-coaches, they can be inside of the Facebook groups, answering questions and supporting. So then I can be creating new content, up-level content for the actual program. And if my boyfriend, who's my integrator, if he is spending time working on the merch mockups and the Shopify website, I can be spending time doing Facebook lives and Instagram lives. And if Joe, my PR manager is doing all the pitching, well, I can just continue working on my positioning and expanding my brand. So more people will want to collaborate with me and more publications will want to feature me. So when you have all these people in their expertise, everything just flows better and you have a more elevated experience, just a better brand experience. And at the end of the day, that's what you really want. So Honestly, hiring my first employee when I hired Joe in January of 2019, that changed everything for me. Even though he was only working for me part-time, it was it just freed up so much time. And everybody needs to be in their expertise because that's how you're going to serve the world in your best way anyways. Yeah, for sure. And I think people think off the bat they need to have it all figured out. But like you just said, it evolved over time. You didn't hire these five people at once with one big lump sum of money. It was like, let me find the gap first and then right. fill them in. Exactly. It's like, okay, who is the number one person? What's the number one thing I want off my plate? For me, it was PR. That's actually why I hired Joe as my first employee was because I knew that if I wanted my business to grow and expand, that I wanted to be on more podcasts because that's when podcasts were super like new and up and coming. I was like, I need to get on interviews and I need to be interviewing people, but I hate crafting pitches. <laughs> so I was like, great. Well, what do we need to do? We need to find somebody who will craft pitches. And that's what he studied in college. He studied advertising, public relations, journalism, and English. I was like, perfect. <laughs> this is what he likes to do. So let's do that. And it's like, okay, what's just the first step that you can take towards creating your dream brand, your dream business, your dream side hustle, whatever it's going to be. What's one thing somebody can help you with? And maybe that's just even a friend who's a photographer that can help you put together your brand image, you know, whatever it might be, just one little step at a time is what's going to get you there. So obviously you need money to outsource and hire people. So let's take it mm -hmm. back to money because this is one of my personal biggest blocks and I'm sure anyone listening can relate to at some point relating to a money block, whether it's I don't deserve this or I don't know how to price this because I don't feel qualified enough, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Let's start from the very beginning with money. You, It sounds like you grew up with, like you said, upper middle class. So you were used to that. So when you lost everything, mm -hmm. did your subconscious ever develop a belief around, oh, you could have it all then lose it? Like what was your relationship with money before the business really kicked off? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it was. It was, you can get it all and then you can lose it all in a heartbeat, um, that it can just be taken away from you. That money is this really intense thing because my parents thought about money all of the time. And it was like a very awkward topic in our family because the whole, because so much of our family drama was based off of a money issue. It was based off of money being mishandled in several different ways. And so every time it was a conversation, it was awkward. It was intense. It was my dad yelling. It was my mom crying. It was like me and my brother being like, what the hell's going on? So 
very tense, very awkward, not something you talk about. You can have it all. You can lose it all. And one of the very, very first money programming I did, the money like, I guess, affirmations that I programmed into my mind was money is an unlimited resource. That was the very first one that I clung onto when I was starting to do all of this mindset work and studying like um, money journal prompts and money mindset work. Money is an unlimited resource. That really resonated with me because I had lived a life at one point where we had a lot of money and it never felt like an issue. We had these Christmases where we got tons and tons of presents and we used to be able to buy super nice clothes all the time and I could get, you know, frappuccinos at Target whenever I wanted. And so it felt very unlimited. And I knew deep down that that was true in my soul. I was like, okay, money is unlimited. Maybe it doesn't feel that way right now, but it is at the end of the day. And so I was like, okay, well, I know that to be true, but like, (laughs) where's the money at in my life currently? And so it was the have it all to have absolutely nothing was something that I've had to work through over time. And I, it, the fear still comes up. This is the thing about limiting beliefs is a lot of times people think you clear it once and it's good to go. And that can be the truth. But sometimes you have to clear it like 20 times before it actually is written from your subconscious mind. And sometimes it will never be and it's just going to keep coming up. But the important part with money mindset is that you have to choose to keep shifting the belief over and over and over again. So I actually was just having a conversation about this. I'm um, getting a house in Los Angeles right now, and I'm in the process of all of that. And I have this fear. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to put down so much money in a deposit and so much money for rent every month. And like, now I need to furnish an entire house, all this stuff. Like, okay, I have to make more money. Literally, I have to make more money. And I'm like, wow, that's scary. Like making more money, there's more on the line. And then, oh my gosh, well, what if I lose it all? But I catch myself in those thoughts and I say, well, what if I don't lose it all? And if I lose it all, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be able to figure it out. My parents figured it out. I've figured it out. I've had my bank account go negative so many times. I like, I will always be able to figure it out. So it's those little shifts that is the most important for your most stubborn money blocks. Where did you learn money? I guess affirmations or mindset work, because you know, there's people listening that are like, wow, I resonate with this, but I don't even know where to start. That's the hardest question that people ask me. They're like, where do you learn about mindset and manifestation and all this? Because I learned it from so many different places. Like, like I said, I was reading every book I could get my hands on. I was watching all documentaries, every podcast, all the things. And then some of this has just been like downloaded to me in journaling. But if you are starting with money mindset work, the number one thing I recommend you do is get on Amazon and order this book immediately. It's called Happy Pocket Full of Money. I don't know who it's by, but it is one of my favorite, favorite books of all time. And they have this incredible chapter on quantum physics, which I'm such a physics nerd, so I really love it. And it will break down a lot of the money mindset stuff for you. So when you started creating MMM, was that money block still there or had you overcome it? Like, how did you actually decide to price it? I started to price MMM based off of what I had seen done in the market. So I based it very similar off the course I had taken. So the very first course I had taken with that coach who was talking about monetizing, um, being an influencer, it was four months and it was about $2,000. And so when I was launching MMM, it was eight weeks and I was like, okay, I'll launch it for $1,111. So that's kind of how I decided based off of industry standard. 
And when I started launching, I actually wanted to price it at 2000 and I did for a little bit, but I just couldn't get behind that number because I felt blocked around receiving that. When I was first starting out, I was like, oh my gosh, well, like, who's going to pay me that? And are people going to trust me? Because I've never had a client before. And basically my only testimonial is myself. And I was having all these doubts come up. And like I said earlier, the fear of like nobody signing up and For me, it just energetically felt so much better to do the half of that, the 1,111. So when you're launching a service or a product, ask yourself what feels good, like what price point feels good. And you can look at other, you know, industry standards if that's a good place for you to base your, you know, a beginning number off of, but ask yourself, does this number feel good for me? And if it feels like, yeah, that's easy. That's a piece of cake. Of course I can sign somebody for that. Try and price it a little bit higher because you want it to be a little bit of a stretch because if it's not a stretch, then you're not going to be growing. You want to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable in the process. When you got those first four clients from your initial round, was that money immediately in your bank account or how did it feel when you saw that money finally get received by you? Yeah, it was super exciting. Some, they were all on payment plans. So it came in like every, it was either like biweekly or a monthly payment. I remember like being on the phone and having a discovery call or like a sales call with the very first client I ever signed. And when she said yes, and just like gave me her information over the phone for her card, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I got off the phone and I like think I did like a mini dance party in my room and just like jumped around and was like, holy shit, like someone believes in me. Somebody believes in this. I did it. You know, like, holy fuck. That's how it felt. And I still feel that way every day. Not not so much of the someone believes in me because a lot of people believe in me and I believe in me, but I still get that giddy, excited jump around my room. Like, Oh my gosh, somebody trusts me and I'm going to be able to change their life. And this is incredible for me. It's more about like, uh, the, Oh my gosh, this person, I get to help them. I get to, they get to be in my energy. They get to grow, they get to flourish and I get to be compensated for it. And I know they're going to hold themselves accountable to do the work because now they've paid money for it. So it's a very exciting, holy shit type of feeling. I know if I got money off the bat like that, I would feel inclined to spend it or not really know what to do with it business-wise, like invest it back in the business. Did you have any business foresight to be like, okay, yes, this money is coming in my bank account, but it doesn't mean I'm going to book a first class trip. It means I need to reinvest back in resources. Like what did you actually do with that initial money? Totally. Such a good question. I, um, so I had hired my business coach right before my launch. It's really funny. I hired her. I got on a discovery call with her one month before I launched my business. And I totally lied. I was like, yeah, I have this business. I have this course and I'm doing this, this and that. And it was way before, it was like a month before I even launched anything. I really just wanted to be a part of her mastermind. She had um, a mastermind and then she had like an intro to business course. And I wanted to be surrounded by women who were already making money in their businesses. I didn't want to be around beginners because I love throwing myself in the deep end where I'm going to be super uncomfortable because that's where I like, adapt quickly. That's where I figure it out. And I'm more motivated to make crazier shit happen in a short period of time. So I was like, yeah, I have this business and all this, this and that. And she was like, okay, great. Well, you'd be an awesome fit for my mastermind then. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and I um, was actually like in debt. I had credit card debt that I owed credit card debt. And then I had um, money that I actually owed to family 
from a trip that I went on. But instead of paying people back right away, I invested two grand into this business coach. So when I made that money from my course launch a month later, all of the money went towards my monthly payment for my coach and paying back the people that I owed money to. So basically all of it went back into reinvesting and that's how it was for the first four months of my business. Every penny I was making was going back into the business. It was going into systems. It was going to, into paying like for Dubsado, paying for Tailwind, later on paying for Kajabi. It was paying my coach. I was just breaking even for like months until I hit one day where my bank account went negative. And I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. And so I just energetically raised the standard. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. And the physical action that shifted there was like, okay, well then let's sell more. Like let's be selling all of the time. And then that month was the first month I hit 5k and then I hit another 5k month. And then I had a 17k month after that. So you basically were like, we're done with this. We're leveling up. And then your actions (laughs) aligned to give you that level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's always how it goes with um, manifesting money and really manifesting anything next level into your life is that you just have this fuck this moment basically where you're like, all right, something needs to change. Like I want a different standard of living and not everybody gets to that point because a lot of people in this world are not willing to admit their desires. But I was like, all right, fuck this. I know I want to live this luxurious lifestyle and I'm not doing that by, you know, spending every single penny in my business. So I just need to make more. And when you align to that energy, when you really decide that, the inspired action just downloads and you just know what to do to make it happen. And I like to tell people the answers that you're always seeking for business, for life, for love, for, you know, your dream body, like you have the answers of what it's going to take to make that happen. It's just going to take you getting into alignment so you can receive those downloads of what to do next. That's amazing. We're definitely going to talk about manifesting more. But when you were talking just about the breaking even aspect, were you having another income somewhere to support you with just, you know, bills like paying rent and food? Or was that income also supporting those essentials? I so at the time I was in university and I actually got paid to go to college. I had like six different scholarships. So every semester I got a nice little refund check and that would cover um, like my food and my rent. So food and rent were always covered by my refund checks and anything else was all being paid for by the business by like covering expenses off of the like one to two thousand dollars I would be making a month. And I didn't even realize you were in college when you launched all this. Were you like going to class and being like, uh, I'm going to work on this instead? Or were you just like, I'm going to get my degree and then focus on this? Tell us about balancing the two. Oh boy. Oh boy. University. College is the worst thing ever. So I, I launched all of this when I was in college. I was 20 years old when I launched my business, which is crazy to think about. And I was in school full time. And I actually had an amazing schedule where I was in class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So then Tuesday, Thursdays, I would work solely on the business and creating content and doing all of the things. Not every semester was like that, but I would say like 
two of the three semesters that I was in college while running my business were. And it was really hard. I'm not going to lie. It was really, really difficult to balance class, to balance motivation. I also love to work out. So I was in the gym a lot, trying to be social and also growing a business all at the same time. And I kept up with it really well at first. And then as my business grew in 2019, like grew exponentially, um, it became more difficult to handle. And then I hired employees, which helped a little bit, but my motivation dwindled around the university stuff when I was making more and more money. I was, it kind of got to the point of like, why am I in college when I'm making, you know, more than so many people are going to make after they graduate. Um, I was like, I don't need this degree. I know this is, it was already my full-time income. So that was a huge, huge battle for me. And all of last year, I contemplated dropping out up and down all around, but everybody around me was like, just finish, just finish. You're close to finishing. And I would actually cry every single day before going to school, like fall semester. I would sit in my closet and cry every single day because I hated school so much and I just wanted to be working on my business and school just made me so miserable. It felt like such a waste, Uh, but I did it anyways. And then this year, this semester, I took online classes and I came to Bali and then I didn't leave Bali and I'm still in Bali. Uh, And I finally drew the line in the sand and I was like, fuck this, I'm not doing it anymore. And I dropped out in February actually. Wow. So not even barely a month ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And it's the best month of my whole life. (laughs) I was going to say what happened energetically after you dropped out? Um, I got a huge PR opportunity, um, that I can't say because it's not published yet. Literally the day after I dropped out and then everything kind of fell into alignment. Like that happened. And then I, a tattoo shop reached out to me and they were like, we want to tattoo you for free. And I was like, great. I know exactly what I want. I just felt so much more free. I felt energetically open afterwards because the main reason why I dropped out was not because it was hard, not because I couldn't balance it all. I could, it was honestly such an easy workload. I was taking two online business classes that I could have taught the classes. Like it wasn't difficult. I just wasn't doing the work. I wasn't sitting down and submitting the homework or taking the online exams. I just didn't care. And it just felt unfair to me that I was constantly being drained of all of my energy because I felt so guilty knowing that I was supposed to be doing school, but choosing to go to dinners with friends and choosing to, you know, spend a weekend in Uluwatu and like go out. Like I felt bad that I was doing these things and not doing the schoolwork. And I just wasn't available for guilt and shame anymore. And so I said, I'm just going to listen. I'm just going to listen to all of the signs that have told me to drop out for the last year and a half. And I finally pulled the trigger, emailed my advisor, and I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Wow. And then financially, did you see your business take off? Are you starting to see that now where you're like, okay, now that I can focus more, I'm making more? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm, I can make more clear minded decisions and that's what led to me like hiring new people. So it was shortly after that, that I hired my videographer. It was after that, that I hired my full-time employees. After that, I hired a multimillionaire coach. I made so many more investments in leaps and bounds and my whole brand is elevated. Like when I sit down to work now, I'm fully there. My energy is fully there. I'm not feeling weird guilt. I'm not feeling spread too thin. I'm fully there and I can show up for my clients way better. I'm able to produce more content and the business has just grown and expanded and evolved since because I can be 
fully me present and in the moment when I do my work. And what are daily rituals or routines that you practice to achieve goals or be present? So I have a spiritual answer and I have a practical answer. Do you want both? Yes, definitely both. So I start with the spiritual side of things. Every single morning I make my bed because, well, I guess this is a practical thing. When you make your bed, like first thing in the morning, your brain sees that as one complete task um, off of your list every single morning. And when you like get up and you complete something right away, you're like, great. Well, if I do nothing else today, at least I accomplished something. So that's just like a little success habit that I have. So I make my bed every single morning and I wash my face every single morning. My One of the very first things my multimillionaire coach told me was wash your face or take the day off. And I take that very literally. It's like if you can't make the time for yourself in the morning to at least wash your face then like something is not right at work. So I wash my face every single morning and that's a whole ritual for me. I have a jade roller that I use and then I sit down at my desk in my villa and I do my daily journaling. So journaling is the core part of my daily ritual. And what I will do is just clear limiting beliefs every single day. I will write down what I desire and that can be you know, one day, maybe it's my house. Maybe the next day it's an income goal. Maybe the next day it is, I don't know, my next level body or the energy I want to embody, whatever it is on my mind that day, I write down my desire. I write down all of the fears and the doubts that come up around it. Like for example, with my house, I'll write down, I desire this $4 million home. And then the thought will come up and be like, is that an irresponsible use of your money? Because you're always traveling. Do you really have the money for that? Why do you need that big of a house? How are you going to make that happen? All these things that bubble up, I write them all down. Because when you have them written down, your brain can release them. And they're they're taking up so much energy in your brain that you have to just, you have to write them down. You have to get it out of your head. And then I prove all of them wrong. I say, well, a house never my job. I'm always going to be able to figure it out. Of course, I deserve to live in this beautiful mansion and I can spend my money however the fuck I want. So there's no irresponsible way to spend my money. So I do all that in my journaling every single day. I pull an Oracle card, the Oracle card deck that I have here in Bali. It's the Kuan Yin Oracle. I read what that's about. I have my crystals around me and then I just kind of set the vibe for my day. I do a little mini dance party in my room every day and I have this paragraph I read and it's called my boss vibes paragraph. So I, one of my, one of the things my coach told me is like, you need to embody the boss vibe every single day. So you at your most boss, like billionaire level, what is your energy like? And write a paragraph about that version of you. So I wrote down this paragraph of her energy and what, how she shifts the energy of the room and how she shifts everybody with the words she speaks and just her vibration. And I read that to myself every day. So all of that sets me up to be in alignment, to take the actions then, because now I'm in the energy of success. Now I've optimized my brain for success because I've removed the limiting beliefs. Now I'm in the energy of receiving. So that's where the automatic manifestation comes in. And then I have, you know, my normal calendar things. The practical side of getting all my goals done every day is I have little habits that move the business forward. So I have a list, it's called daily tasks, and I use Asana for project management. And I will go through and I have an Instagram post every day, a Facebook post every day, Instagram stories, 
Facebook management, checking in with my client, my private clients, checking in with the team, you know, just little things that I do every single day. And then my two biggest ones to reaching your goals and moving yourself forward is look at your goals every single day. That's literally a part of my task list. It's to go back and look, what are my goals for the month every single day? Because the more you look at them, the more real they feel, the more involved you are in that process and the more your brain just gets used to them. And then it starts to look for those results, which creates the results. So that's number one. And then number two is money tracking. I track my money every single day. I have an Excel spreadsheet that has like, how much limit, how much credit limit do you have available on this credit card and that credit card? How much is in, you know, this savings and that savings? How much is in your checking account? How much is in the business account? I check in on my money every single day. And then I send gratitude to the money in my accounts. And then I go about my other projects. I love two of the things you just said so much. The first is embodying the boss vibe. And what would the energy feel like? Because I'm looking around my room right now and I'm like, I have a towel on my chair. I have clothes on the ground. I have like a banana on my nightstand. (laughs) And I was just thinking, wait, if I was a millionaire, would my room look like this? You know what I mean? Like, would I really leave clothes on the ground and have like a random banana on the nightstand? Probably not. So no wonder my energy is feeling low vibe because my room looks like a college teenager. And the second thing is actually keeping track of your money. Because how are you supposed to make money if you have no idea where it's going and why it's going to those specific accounts. So that seems so such a smart tip to like actually not only see it, but like you said, give gratitude to it. Can you expand on that concept of thanking your money? Yeah, of course. So the thing is about money is money is just an energy. And one thing that the book um, Happy Pocketful of Money talks about is that there is not enough paper money in the world for how much money we actually have circulating. So money is literally just a number on a screen. It's just the like the energy that you can hold in your body. It's the power that you're willing to hold. Because you know when you have more money, you just feel empowered because you can make more choices over your life. So when we think about that, we think it's just an energy. Well, every relationship is just an energy. Like love is an energy. Like Having a good time with your friends is an energy. So we need to start looking at money as a relationship. How can you be a friend to your money? So what I want everybody to do listening to this is ask yourself, okay, how do I treat my best friend? And how can I treat money the same way? You check in with your best friend probably a couple of times a week, if not every single day. You aren't, and think about the energy when you check your bank account. You don't text your friend feeling anxious and worried of what they're going to say, but you check your bank account and you're like, "Mm, not sure what's in it today. Like you need to treat it the exact same way as your best friend. You're excited to open up your bank account. You're excited to open up a meme from your best friend. You are happy to track all the things. You're happy to track your plans with your friend and put it in your calendar and make it a whole production. It has to be a relationship. And then That way you can send gratitude with it. You're grateful for your friends. You're happy you have somebody that you can send TikToks to, you know? It's the exact same thing. We don't need to overcomplicate it. Just think about your best friend. Make money your best friend and have a daily practice, a daily check-in. Just give gratitude to, just say, I'm so grateful for the money I do have in my bank account. Like maybe you want it to be a higher number, but just be happy for what you have now because by law of the universe, by law of attraction, you will then attract more. I love that. Something that I've realized for like personally myself is 
that all the tools of journaling and meditating and everything, like they fully helped me get an alignment. But I used to think they were really overwhelming. Like, oh my God, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have 20 minutes to journal. I just got to go. What do you say to your clients that feel overwhelmed by these daily practices? Yeah. And there's so many people that do feel that way because there are people who are like, I have an hour commute. I have three kids and I work full time. And I'm like, girlfriend, you are a boss ass bitch. First of all, that's what you have to tell yourself that you can handle all this. What I tell people who feel overwhelmed is to pick one thing. What is one thing that sounds appealing to you that you can stick to every day? Is it writing a gratitude list? Is it sitting down journaling? Is it doing a meditation? Is it EFT tapping? What is the one thing that sounds really fascinating to you, really interesting and stick to that one thing? Because that's how I built everything in my business was one step at a time. That's how I built everything in my spiritual practice was one thing at a time. My first thing I started out with was I wrote out a bunch of affirmations on a piece of paper and I would read these affirmations to myself out loud first thing in the morning and last thing before bed. The paper sat right on my bedside table and that was the one thing I did. And then I did that and I added on journaling and then I added on meditation and then I added on all the other crazy fucking spiritual shit I do now. And now my whole life just feels like a giant ritual. So pick your one thing and just know that that one thing is good enough. If it sounds exciting and fun, it's going to be good enough for you. What about some of your clients that you've worked with? What's one of your favorite client stories or your testimonials? I have one client. I had a client who I worked with together for a long time and I was hosting a retreat in Los Angeles last year. And she told me, she like verbally committed that she was going to be coming. She was like, I'm coming on this retreat um, and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. She lived on the other side of the country and she was at a point in her life where she didn't have a ton of money. She was having some financial troubles, some money mindset blocks, and we are working through those. I'm just, you know, continuing on the journey of calling in the money. And she's like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this flight, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Every day we were getting closer and closer and closer to the event. She hadn't booked a flight and the flight prices kept going up and up and up and up. And then out of nowhere, literally two days before the event there, she found a flight, like a red eye flight from the East coast to the West coast for like half off of what all the other flights were like a flight that she hadn't found before. I don't even know how she found it. And it was the perfect time on the perfect day, literally half the price. And she was like, oh my God, Michaela, I'm coming to LA. And I was like, what happened? She's like, I found a flight for 50% off. So that was one of my favorite things. Cause then she got to come and she was just in the best vibes of like, this shit works. Like if you just stick to your rituals, if you just choose to trust when it looks like it's not going to happen, it still will work. I love that your clients also just take your advice and really run with it. But I imagine that some, they get stuck, right? Like that's the reason why they signed up with you. So when you start with a client and they're just really, really stuck in those limiting beliefs, do you give them specific journal prompts? I know they have coaching calls with you. Like what does a a session with Michaela look like? Yeah. So when they are feeling stuck and this happens to all of us, you know, as we hit new levels, we get stuck in different ways. So we'll get on a call, we do a coaching call and I will just say, tell me what's going on. Just in like the most raw way, your raw, most emotional way. And what is going on? And then I start to ask them guiding questions. I want to lead them to their breakthrough. And then once they have the breakthrough and they're like, oh, wait, 
you're right, I need to reframe this, then I'm going to give them homework. I'm like infamous for giving lots of lovely homework. And so I will ask them questions. Maybe they're having um, like a money block or they're like, uh, I can't pay for this. I can't pay for my rent. Like, I don't know what's going on and I'm doing the rituals and I'm doing the work. And then I'll be like, well, what are you thinking about all day? And they're like, oh, just how much I need the money. And I'm like, well, what kind of energy is that? And they're like needy. And I'm like, okay, well, what does needy energy mean? Lack. And I'm like, okay, well, are you going to track the money for your rent, for your bills when you're in lack? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, great. So now (laughs) this is what we're going to do. You're going to do this EFT tapping video. I want you to journal on this. I want you to get clear on how it would feel if you got the money, get into your Pinterest boards, get in the money vibes, have a dance party, celebrate the money. And then tell me what goes on after that. So it's really leading them up to them realizing what's going on because there's something very, very powerful about self-awareness. And then you're more empowered to change it because you're like, oh, wow, I see this pattern in myself, not Michaela sees it. It's I see it in myself and I want to change it. And then I just give them the tools. I point them in the right direction of how to change it and how to shift that. So if someone listening right now wants to get out of that lack mindset, needy, desperate energy, what are maybe one to three things that they could implement today? Whether that's a journal prompt, a podcast, like do you have specific recommendations? I would do an EFT tapping. So EFT is emotional freedom techniques. You're like tapping on the energy meridians of your body while telling a story to clear the energy out of your body. So these like energy points of your body, that's literally where energy is going in and out. And that's why you tap on them. So you can tap that shit out and tap in the new good energy. And people I love who do this on YouTube are Gala Darling and Brad Yates. They have like the best tapping videos. If you just look up EFT tapping for money on YouTube, you will find so many. And that one's really, really good because when you're really like wrapped up in the desperate, I need money vibes, it feels so real and it feels painful sometimes and you're scared and you're afraid. And so that's a very real feeling. You're not going to be able to journal. I'm a millionaire when you are in that state. So EFT tapping will clear that energy for you. So I would do that. And then I would get into your journal and I would say, you know, what, what am I feeling right now? And really get all of that feeling like all that emotion out on paper because you're so in your head, you need to get grounded. So write it all out, your most raw emotions, write it down on paper and see objectively like what's going on. And then the thing is you just have to continue to choose to shift, say, well, I feel this, this and that, but do I want to feel that way? No. Okay. Well, what would I prefer to feel And then write that down and then say, well, what can I do today right now to feel that way? Because you can choose to feel any emotion, any emotion. So what can you do in your life with the things that with the resources you have at hand to feel a certain way? A lot of times we feel afraid, we feel lack, we feel desperate for money, but you want to feel abundant. You want to feel free. You want to feel expansive. So what is going to make you feel free? What's going to make you feel expansive? And it doesn't, that doesn't mean, oh, well, manifesting a thousand dollars. No, like, can you have a dance party and that makes you feel expansive? Can you go buy a coffee at Starbucks and that makes you feel free? What can you do in your control today? The journaling thing has done wonders for me because I notice whenever I journal something down, it's what you said. It, it gets your thoughts on paper and it becomes so tangible. And if you read it, 
it's like your brain processes it differently instead of just being an arbitrary thought floating around. And somehow I've been unemployed most of March, like unemployed in the terms of a corporate, you know, employee with a manager with a pay slip every other week. But somehow I have manifested, I think about $5,000 and people are like, I'm confused. How are you unemployed? And that, I mean, this is a very, this is a very American way of thinking of like, oh, you have to have a, you know, you have to work a corporate job, nine to five, you need insurance. I'm not kidding. I was telling our mutual friend Marley about this. Every day that I have physically journaled about it, something has popped up in my bank account that I totally forgot about. Mm -hmm. For example, my roommate sent me the rest of my security deposit that I forgot that she owed me. My tax refund was like triple what I thought it was going to be. I got paid to help someone with a very easy thing for their podcast. I was like, what is going on? And it's all the days that I was journaling. So I was like, it really is proof in the pudding that if you just get your thoughts on paper and to your point, start shifting in the energy of, money is coming to me. I deserve this. It will show up in ways that you didn't expect. A hundred percent. And I've created probably all of my, not all of it, but a lot of my success because of journaling, because that's my favorite practice. And it's, and for me, it comes back to like the dumbest thing that we are taught when we're younger. It's that there's this hand to brain connection that typing just cannot be. So that's why I think it's really important to like literally write these things down because you have to think about it. All these thoughts swimming around in your head, they're taking up so much of your energy, either consciously or subconsciously. But when you write them down, that takes your 10 worry thoughts all onto the piece of paper. So then your brain, instead of having to remember 10 separate thoughts, it just has to remember, oh, those thoughts are all on this piece of paper. So you go from 10 things to one. And then you're open energetically for receiving nine more things in your brain and in your awareness. So it's easier for the money to come to you because you're in a less resistant state because you're not in your head as much. What's actually your favorite money mantra or affirmation? Hmm. The one that I love right now is I'm a multimillionaire, but I also love um, every dollar I spend comes back to me times 10. Oh, I love that one. That one's really good. Mine right now, my money block right now is around thinking that I'm like taking money from someone else, especially right now with coronavirus. It feels almost like icky or unethical. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, taking someone's money and now they're going to be in a place of lack. And I recently listened to a meditation and it said, my abundance helps others create abundance. And that really resonated with me. It was like, wait, if I can help people unblock themselves too then they're also going to be abundant. I'm not taking anything. Right. And and also on that note, it's like they're choosing to pay you. You are not going into their house and ripping their credit card out of their wallet. Like they're choosing to buy from you. And the, I always remind myself this. It's like I'm doing something for them that opens up their energy field. So if you are doing a podcast management thing for somebody, that opens up time for them. And then with that time, they can go make more money. I'm opening up energetic space in people's brains so then they can go receive more money. You're opening things up for them. You're doing them a favor by letting them pay you, honestly. That's such a good way to frame it. So I want to move into rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah. What is a wealth, wealth, I guess that's a good one too, (laughs) wellness or health hack that you can't live without right now? I'm really loving intermittent fasting. Um, 
So that's really helped me here in Bali because there's so many good cafes that you can go to. I mean, not right now because everything is closing down for takeaway, but normally everything is open and you just want to go eat at all the places all day. So having intermittent fasting keeps me from overeating and then just being more intentional when I am eating my meals. What about your favorite workout? I am really loving low intensity workouts right now. There's a girl on YouTube. Her name's Chloe. I can't remember her last name, but she has some really great workout videos and she has like a 15 minute low intensity fat burning one that I just love doing in my villa. Cause you're not like jumping and running around, but you feel sore and you still get in a good sweat. I'm the same way right now. I don't know what it is, but I feel stronger than ever. And I've only been doing very low intensity, like slow controlled movements. And I swear my body is seeing a change. Yeah. I've heard that that's better for women actually. Yeah. With our hormones. Cause I mean, I can go on and on about this, but I realized when <laughs> we're, you know, like you said, screaming, running, jumping, laser beams in our face, volume 1000 music. It's like, is yeah. that really good for us? <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> what about your favorite brand right now? Ooh, my favorite brand. I'm so detached from the real world because I'm island life. Um, shoot. Okay. I'm like looking around my room for my favorite brand. Okay. There's a brand that I want to shout out. Um, there, it's this brand called Mood Beam. Um, and they make these essential oil sprays that all have like a little meaning. So the girl who makes them, she lives in the U S and she takes certain essential oils that like evoke certain emotions or do certain things and makes these like room sprays. And so the ones that I have right now are space clearing and love, and they smell so good. They're all natural. And yeah, I'm loving that. I spray like the love one before I do any calls or any interviews just to create the vibe. Oh my gosh. Can you say that brand again so we know where to find it? Yeah, it's Mood, like M-O-O-D Mood. and then okay. Beam, B-E-A-M. Amazing. Need that. What about your personal wellness routine? Hmm, my personal wellness routine. Um, that would be every day sticking to my intermittent fasting hours, um, trying to not drink more than two coffees a day, getting in one workout a day and drinking as much water as humanly possible. <laughs> hydration is key in Bali. I got a heat rash there and I was like, this heat is like not humane. I don't know how you're living there right now, but (laughs) I needed the most water bottles ever. (laughs) If you could only pack three things with you to go on a trip, what would be coming with you? My computer. I can't go anywhere without my computer. Sunglasses because I have the weakest eyes ever. I cannot go outside without sunglasses. And... Ooh, let's see. My journal. Oh, obviously my journal. I can't live without that. (laughs) What about something that people don't know about you or that you wish they knew about you? Hmm. That is a hard one. Um, I used to be a swimmer growing up, super random. I was a competitive swimmer and I was actually really good at it. And I credit a lot of my discipline to swimming because I remember a lot of warmups would be freestyle and we would just swim laps and laps and laps of freestyle. And I hated the freestyle stroke so much, but I wanted so badly to be best at my stroke of what I swam. So I would just swim those laps as fast as I could. So I could get up in like the higher lanes and train with the best swimmers. So I would kind of contribute a lot of my discipline and determination from swim team. Isn't it funny that when we're younger, we're like, ew, I don't want to do this. And then you look back and you're like, 
that did shape a lot of who I am today. My mom and dad were right. Yeah. You're like, oh, thank God I went through that misery. <laughs> right? What about a question that you wish I would have asked during this interview? Hmm. I wish people asked more about success and when when do you feel like you've hit successful? Like when do you feel like you've made it? Because I truly believe that like you never get that feeling of made it because you're always on to the next thing. I think it's an interesting conversation. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Very good point. And that's something I think I've talked about on my podcast. And I'm sure you've talked about too, that I thought, I don't know where $100,000 came from. Did you find that when you're younger? Like, oh, once you hit the $100,000 mark and it was just always $100,000. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why it was that. Yeah, it was like the magic number. And when I was in my ad sales role, I hit that number. And I remember being like, this, I'm going to feel this magical burst of like explosion of feelings. And I was like, oh, I feel the exact (laughs) same. If not, like, I actually don't feel anything different, except that I can just do more things. Mm -hmm. So what, what is your personal experience with that? Yeah, I found that instead of six figures, my big like pedestal made it number is a million, which I haven't hit yet, but we are well on our way. Um, And so for me, I'm always like a million, I'm going to feel like I made it. But when I hit the six figure point in 2019, I had hit six figures in August of cash. And I was like, what the hell? I I remember the week that I hit it so well. And for me, it actually felt like a big deal because it was my first, it was six figures in nine months in my own business, which was crazy amazing. And I celebrated my friends. I remember calling my mom being like, holy shit. But I don't, I didn't feel like I made it. I never, at every level, I just found out like last week or two weeks ago that my um, business has made a quarter of a million dollars. I still don't feel like I've made it because once you hit those milestones, you get to celebrate them. But successful people are always, it's grateful, but never satisfied. We're always going towards the next thing. And that's really what I relate to. What about your biggest learning experience? Oh my God. Probably living alone (laughs) in high school was the biggest learning experience I've ever had. I remember so fondly. So I was supposed to be living with my dad. When my parents separated, I chose to stay at home in our house. And that just ended up like being with my dad and my dad ended up having a girlfriend and went to a, who lived in a different state. And I remember he was like, I'm going to go see my girlfriend for two weeks. I'll see you in two weeks. And I was like, okay. And then he didn't come back for like three and a half months. And that was the biggest lesson because I was the only one making myself go to school. I was the only one making myself do my assignments, still go to the gym, still eat healthy. I worked three jobs to like pay for everything. And I really specifically remember a day I was like crying, looking at myself in the mirror and being like, we either have to make this work or we we give up and we just drop out and we do whatever. And I decided like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to make this work. And that was probably one of my biggest lessons and I guess turning points. What is something you think people get wrong about you? That I come from money, <laughs> um, which was, I guess, true at one point in my life. But for the majority of my life, absolutely not. I've had DMs from people who are like, you're such a basic privileged white girl, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, girlfriend, my dad was in prison. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> it is true that we just see what we see 
and we make immediate assumptions when it's funny because most successful people do have a story. You know what I mean? Like rarely do successful people come from money, didn't have to do any work, didn't have any hardship, and then just were millionaires. Like most people do have that past. So it's weird that humans are conditioned to think that everything just falls in our lap. Yeah, so sad. (laughs) What about your favorite resource to go back to when you're feeling out of alignment? Hmm. My favorite resource, other than my journal, because I've talked about that enough in this, would be my favorite thing to just do. It's not a specific resource, but like is reading. When I feel like life is getting really crazy, maybe I'm in a huge up level, feeling growing pains, or maybe I feel like I'm not making the progress I want. I am usually not reading. I love to read. I love to learn. So when I'm at a standpoint or I'm frustrated or out of alignment, I go back to learning. So I go back to reading like physical books. Which one's your favorite book right now or what's on your bedside table? Um, I just finished reading The One Thing and it was absolutely incredible. It talks about everything that I actually talked about with business today. It's like focusing on one thing. What's the one thing that you can do one step of the time, one step at a time? That's really good advice. That's actually my next question. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? The best piece of advice I've ever gotten. Um, the best thing anybody's ever told me that's really impacted my life was your dreams aren't big enough unless they scare you. If it's like I could do it tomorrow, then you feel like no one, everyone could do it. And then you're like, well, then why would I do it if everyone could do it? I feel like we do like a little challenge. Right. The point is to like grow and do things that are outside of our comfort zone because that's where all of our dreams are actually going to be. So it's like if it's something that's in your comfort zone, it's not going to create the quantum results that you're actually looking for. What about any final words or thoughts, whether that's around success, money, manifestation? Hmm. I like to say at the end around success is success is a decision. Every single thing in your life actually is a decision and you need to make strong decisions that you are unshakable in. That's the best thing that you can do for yourself is make a decision and stick to your word. If you say, I'm going to launch this blog, you better fucking launch that blog. If you say you are going to get this promotion at work, go get your promotion at work. Stop settling. Stop, you know, negotiating with yourself. Decide what it is that you want. Be courageous enough to say that out loud and admit it to yourself. And then go take your inspired action to make that happen. Well, I'm almost positive a ton of people are going to want to work with you because not only of your own success, (laughs) but what you have to say, like you said, even that statement right there is so powerful. Like, for example, I was seeing all these different people get sponsors and I was like, how did they get a sponsor? Like they just started out or I don't even think their cover art is pretty or I haven't even really, their audio is weird. Like, why are they getting sponsorships? And I was like, well... (laughs) they probably decided to either reach out to a sponsor or create a media kit or do something that brought that opportunity to them. Whereas I have never crafted a pitch to a network, never sent my media kit out. And I'm just expecting a podcast sponsor to come knock on my door and say, Hey, we've never heard of you, but I think you would be a great fit. That doesn't even make sense. (laughs) So I love the whole concept around making the decision to be successful. So if someone does want to work with you, how do they get in touch and sign up for your programs? 
Yeah. So if you're interested in working together or even seeing what option would fit you best, whether that's a course, a passive product, one-on-one coaching, whatever, just shoot me a DM on Instagram. So I'm at the Michaela J on Instagram. I'm in my DMs all the time. I'm on stories every single day. And if you just let me know that you are interested in working together, we can discuss what's going to be best for you based off of your goals. Because like I explained at the beginning, I have you know, a bunch of different levels of ways to work with me. So we will find what works best for you. Amazing. And guys, go get a journal and go get, what was it? Happy pocket full of money? Happy pocket full of money. I'm like ready to check out on Amazon right now and figure that out one out. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, Michaela. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and asking these amazing questions. Like this has been one of the best interviews I've done. I feel like you guys are going to be just as obsessed with Michaela as I am because for me, she really broke down that barrier between age and success. I don't know why. Maybe it's being abroad and meeting so many people in other cultures and talking to so many people that come from different walks of life. But I feel like Americans really place an emphasis on age and success. Like, oh, you have to do this for four years. Then you have to wait for five years to see real money come in. Then you can really get rich at age 40. Like, We built these arbitrary timelines and age groups to define success. And Michaela, you heard her, was like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. I'm doing it my own way. And that's why I love talking to her and following her content. So hopefully you guys found value. If you did, please write a review. Let me know what was your favorite part of the podcast. Maybe you're going to implement some of her tips. Let me know which one of those you are going to do. Because I think for me, I'm going to try and really embody that boss vibe by making my bed, cleaning my space treating myself to a nice breakfast every day that I make, you know, just something that a millionaire or billionaire would do. Not the way I'm living right now where I have like a brown banana on my bedside stand and a grocery bag on the ground and a towel draping over my chair. That does not really scream millionaire to me. So I'm going to work on that. If you did find value, can you also share it on your Instagram stories? Because that's how people find the podcast. You can also tag me at non-expert opinion pod My personal Instagram is at Chelsea Reif, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-R-I-F-F-E. And you can visit the website, www.inmynonexpertopinion.com. That's pretty much where you can find all the socials. And follow along because there's going to be a lot of updates with how everything is shifting with the coronavirus. A lot of us are online more. A lot of us are shifting behaviors and the way we're buying and the way we're acting and the way we're just reflecting. I feel like right now is a big point of reflection. So I plan to talk about that a lot in the next few podcasts. With that, I will see you next week. 